Okay, so this um, doctor and an engineer, they fall in love with the same girl. And the doctor gives the girl a rose every day. And, uh, and the engineer gives her an apple every day. And so she was intrigued. So she asked the engineer, I can understand that the doctor gives me a rose. It's romantic. It says, I love you. But why do you give me an apple? And he said, because an apple a day keeps the doctor away. <laughs> right. So the message this morning is be strong. As we say goodbye to a very challenging year or two, when it, life suddenly changed to a totally unfamiliar one. But thankfully, even panda- pandemics don't last forever. Our seasons of life may change, but God's promises never change. God's word is a solid ground under our feet. So let's believe that we will experience God's grace in a greater measure that the new year will be a year of peace, hope, and never-ending joy, that our hearts will be free of sadness, minds free of worries, bodies free of illnesses, yes, amen, and we will stay secure in God's love. So uh, I'm speaking from uh, Joshua 1, uh, chapter 1, verses 1 to 9. I'm not going to read it, but I'll share a little bit from the passage. Now, God's servant Moses, who had brought Israel out of slavery in Egypt, was now dead. So God immediately moves into action and appoints Joshua to succeed Moses to continue the unfinished work of possessing the land that God had promised to Abraham and his descendants. Now, Joshua was a first-class replacement for Moses. Why? Because he was not only a good administrator, an excellent military tactician, but more importantly, he was totally committed to obeying and serving God. So that was the secret, really, of his life. Now, God wanted Joshua to succeed in his commission So he started him off on his journey with a great deal of encouragement. Three times, Joshua is exhorted to be strong. Number one, be strong and courageous to inherit the land. Be strong and courageous to obey the law. Be strong and courageous. Do not be discouraged. And so the three points... I will be uh, sharing with you and we'll be looking at strong in conviction, strong in commitment, strong in courage. So the first point, be strong in your conviction. To have a conviction, one needs a goal or focus. A soldier goes out to war to win the war. A sportsman enters the race to win and receive, win the race and receive the prize. So Joshua's conviction was that God's promise of a land originally made to Abraham will be fulfilled regardless of how long ago the promise was made. Now, Abraham never saw the land God promised him. 
but he never weakened in his conviction that he would leave his descendants the legacy of God's covenant. Joshua was now destined to turn that promise into reality. So Joshua's conviction came from knowing God for himself. He did not rely on other people's experience of God or information passed on to him by his elders. He got to know God personally, and that was the major reason why he could trust God. His conviction came from knowing God's character. He knew God was upright, just, and righteous. He knew God does not lie or go back on his promises. What he says, he does. A personal relationship with God is the key. Our level of trust in God depends on how closely we know him and walk with him. Joshua's conviction came from experiencing God's faithfulness. We've been singing those songs, How Faithful God Is. He had firsthand experience of Israel's deliverance under the leadership of Moses. He was just a youth then, but he saw that his God how God moved in power against the oppressors of Israelites in Egypt. He saw the miracles of the parting of the sea and his people crossing over to the other side, while Pharaoh and his army drowned before their very eyes in the same sea. Joshua witnessed God's supply for his people in the wilderness. He saw that God fed them supernaturally. He saw the cloud above them protecting them, from the heat of the day and cool of the night. Just as I was preparing this, suddenly it struck me that God is way, way ahead of our modern-day technology. Cool cloud above them was God's air conditioning during the heat of the day. And the pillar of fire above them was God's central heating. Because in the desert, at night, the temperatures drop below freezing point. So Joshua also saw death and destruction of those who refused to obey God and did not move with the cloud. Joshua was also one of the 12 that Moses sent to spy out the land of Canaan, but it was only Joshua and Caleb who came back with a positive report about the land that they were going to possess. Do you know why? Because of their conviction that their God was powerful and with him on their side, they could defeat all their enemies and they would possess the land that the Lord their God had given them. What about us? Are we strong in our conviction that we can possess the land before us? That we can drive the enemy from our nation who has brought so much destruction. In Mark 16, 15, we read of our commission. Jesus said to them, go into, and when Julie was reading, and said, you're stealing my preach. <laughs> and go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations. But remember, a fight is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the powers of this dark world. So, God said to Joshua to choose men who would fight. Are we men and women who would 
fight and pull down the strongholds of the ruthless enemy who's busy marring the image of God in human race through hopelessness, sin and poverty, abuse of children, alcohol and drug addiction, destroying our young people, breakdown of family structure, media and education system excluding God from our societies, introducing ungodly ideologies in Christian churches, apathy in God's own children, who will be our Joshua to these people and lead them out of the slavery of Satan and into the kingdom of God? Are we going to reclaim and recover the ground the enemy has taken from us? Yes, we can and we will. If, like Joshua, we are strong in our conviction that with God on our side, no weapon formed against us will prosper. And in Christ, we are more than conquerors. Also, like Joshua, our conviction has to come from our personal experience with God, remembering what God has done for us so far, and to keep hold of his promises for what he's going to do in the future. Remembering that Jesus' death on the cross purchased our salvation, forgiveness of sins, our sicknesses, diseases, our infirmities, our condemnation, and our guilt nailed to the cross once for all. So let's not believe the lies of the enemy that we are guilty. No, we are not. We have been acquitted. We have been set free. Praise God. Joshua remembered God's provision in the wilderness. How many times we have been in the wilderness of doubt, of despair, lack of finances, sickness, lack of faith for our provisions, worrying about our children, our grandchildren. Did God not turn up for us with the right provision at the right time? Yes, he did. He did not leave us alone. He was with us. And as we sang, he was in the fire with us, and he held back the seas, and the seas could not drown us. The most recent example is COVID. When we all realize how fragile life is, just a breath away, many people we know personally, they're not with us today. But God has brought us and our families through this pandemic. How important it is to thank God for the gift of life each and every day. It is good to remember what God has done for us. That is why it is essential to share our testimonies to encourage other people, as Joshua did with the Israelites. And at this point, I would like to share my testimony. Last Sunday, as I said, I came in a lot of pain. I had gout in my right foot. My right ankle, my foot was swollen, my leg was swollen, my knee was bad. And um, I managed to drive here, but because it was cold, it, the pain got worse, and I just could not bear it anymore. Uh, and so I had to put my uh, foot on, the, on a chair. But as I was prayed for, Julie asked me, do you feel anything? I said, no. <laughs> and when we sat in the circle and everyone started, thing, started sharing their testimony, and my faith started to rise in me. And I thank you for 
Costas, Julie, and everyone who prayed for me, because prayer is powerful, and our testimonies are very, very powerful. And as I said, faith started to rise, and I felt, and when I shared my testimony from 1982, when God gave me a brand new bladder, and uh, do you know what? I felt the pain is not hurting anymore. I can move my leg. I couldn't even put any pressure on my foot, and I was doing this. And I thought, wow, this is amazing. And so I shared that the test, you know, the pain and everything had gone. 80% I was better. By the time I got home, it was 100%. And do you know, uh, because I have arthritis and it badly affects my joints, and I use Waltrol every morning on every joint. Basically, I cover my whole body in it and at night before going to bed. And sometimes in, during the day as well because the pain gets really bad. But you know what? Since last Sunday, I have not used Voltrol even once. <laughs> and, and you will, Julie, you will not go back to your medication. God is going to heal you today. So the point number two, be strong in your commitment. God commanded Joshua to obey all the law and not turn from it to the left or to the right and meditate on it day and night. Now, that is a lot of commitment. But the kind, this kind of commitment was required for the quality of service God was looking for. God deserves our best because he gave his best to the point of death. His commitment to, our, to us is wholehearted. And he expects nothing less from us. God is not looking for half-hearted commitment. He's not interested in lukewarm response. In fact, he says he would spit out the lukewarm. He would rather we were hot or we were cold. In other words, fully in or fully out. God places no premium on half measures. In Luke 9, Jesus said to them, no one who puts his hand on the plow and then looks, looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Sitting on the fence is never an option in the kingdom of God. Joshua made it clear to everyone where he stood. He said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. I think it would be good to repeat that. Repeat please after me. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Let's say it all together. As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Now we have made that commitment to the Lord and keep remembering that. So in what areas are we expected to be fully committed? Commitment of obedience, number one. Total obedience to God in every area of our lives is of utmost importance. We cannot call him Lord and then go and do what we please. And if he's our master, then we have to obey him in everything. True obedience has no lead to it. I could quote many examples of disobedience to God from the Bible and the dire results of it and the high cost that was involved from Adam and Eve onwards. But you can read that for yourself. 
God's love is unconditional, but success and prosperity are tied in with obedience. God will love us regardless. They, the prosperity comes as a result of total and complete obedience to God. Because God is a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. And in a covenant, both sides, both parties, they have to keep the conditions of the covenant. You can read for yourself the promises God made to Abraham, Noah, Moses, Joshua, David, and so on. And then we will understand exactly what covenant is all about. God has linked two things together that cannot be separated. Obedience, power, prosperity, and provision. Secondly, committed, commitment of time. Time is a precious commodity. So, is my time my own? Or is every breath a gift from God? So, how much of this God-given time I give back to God? How much time I spend in his presence? Do I set aside time to feed on God's word? Do I tithe my time for God's kingdom? Do I spend my time serving God and his people? The Bible says Enoch walked with God for 300 years. Wow, that's a lot of commitment. Are we prepared to make that kind of commitment to God? Thirdly, commitment of possessions. Who possesses me? Husband, wife, children, employer, football, car, job. Am I my own person or do I belong to God? Something to think about for all of us. What about worldly possession? In 2 Samuel 24, 24, King David said, I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God that which costs me nothing. Acts 4 states, they, meaning the church, sold all their possessions and brought the money to the church leaders for God's work and meeting people's needs. Mary of Bethany poured out very costly perfume at Jesus' feet. A widow put her last penny in the temple fund. Well, after all, what can we give to God that has not been given to us by him in the first place? It's not about how much we give, what we give. It's about our attitude and it's about our heart before God. It's about ownership. Do we own it? Or are we stewards of God's given prosperity and blessing? A steward is one who owns nothing, and yet he is responsible for everything. You get that? We own nothing, yet God has made us responsible for everything. So do we own our possessions or do our possessions own us? like the rich man who walked away from Jesus because he was too rich to give away what he had. So thirdly, third point, thirdly, be strong in your courage. In fact, the verse says, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. It is a rhetorical question that emphasizes the authority of the speaker. A rhetorical question means a question to which no answer is required, but makes the hearer think, or to which only one answer 
may be made. In other words, God is saying, just do it. Just do it. He says, you can be strong in your courage against your enemies. You will not be fearful of them. You will go forward and possess the land. So do you know why? The answer is in the next part of the verse. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Moses said to God, if your presence doesn't go with us, do not send us up from here. So if God is with us, who can be against us? No enemy can prevail against us. Like Goliath, every giant will fall face down at your feet. The victory has already been won on the cross. The land has already been given to us. All we have to do is walk into that victory. And unless we take that first step towards it, we will never know what it is to be victorious. The water of Jordan did not pile up in a heap for the Israelites to cross over to the other side until the feet of the Levites touched the water. So let's take that first step towards the victory that awaits us. So let's, let me encourage you to be strong Go and do exploits for your God in your communities. Bring in the poor, the wretched, the sick, the lame, the blind, the sinners, the backsliders, and minister to them in the name of Jesus and set them free. So your God, my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob be glorified in our nation once again. Do you... Did you know that in our nation, 29% never pray, 33% never go to church, only 6% of adults in Britain said that they were practicing Christians. Besides these, then there's the rest. I'm just talking about those who call themselves Christian, and then there's all these other, you know, religion. So the harvest is big. The harvest is absolutely massive. So let's make intentional plans, uh, plans for our lives, our church, that are guided and directed by the Holy Spirit. So we have direction, goal, and godly purpose to see God's kingdom come in our nation once again and across the world. So church, be strong. So to sum it up, be strong in your conviction, be strong in your commitment, be strong in your courage. And now, if you're willing to make that commitment to the Lord, I would like you to stand if you can. And I'd like to ask Julie to come and our pastor to come and pray over us. Thank you, Florence. That's amazing, amazing, amazing. I, yeah, I think that's brilliant. Let's just pray. If you, if you do want to remake this commitment, just hold your hands out. Lord, we do recommit ourselves to you. Father, we don't want to take this journey if you're not on it with us. Because, Father, you are everything. You've shown yourself to us in goodness. Father, we're all here because you've touched our lives. So, Father, I just pray for each heart here, each mind here, that you renew our passion for you. Father, that where there's a flame, that you will just turn it into the most 
amazingly big bonfire for you, that our passion will grow, that we cannot keep quiet. And Father, that we just reach out, speak out, and shine to everyone around us and just not even think about it, but it just flows from us, your goodness. That we tell people of your goodness, we pray for people, that we speak of your goodness, that we pray for people. And Father, I just pray because you say, if we draw near to you, you'll draw near to us. You say you put words in our mouth, Lord. So I just pray for every person here, including myself, that, Father, we come close to you, we draw close to you, and we allow you to come into our hearts even more. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.